0: Hey, welcome to the podcast of The Kelly Cutrera Show. It's Thursday, November 26th. Coming up, do the Grammys have a credibility problem? And just what did Dave Chappelle say to Netflix to convince them to remove The Chappelle Show from their streaming platform? We'll talk with our 640 Toronto pop culture NPR expert, Alyssa Freeman, about those two topics. But first, we're trying to figure out what's going to happen in Mississauga. Uh, Mayor Bonnie Crombie has announced that she'll be tabling a motion today at Regional Council calling on Peel Public Health to prohibit big-box stores like Costco and your Walmarts from selling non-essential goods in Brampton, Caledon, and Mississauga, which, of course, is the jurisdiction of Peel, which is in lockdown. She said she's not just doing this for health and safety. Here's a clip.
1: To level the playing field for our smaller retailers. I know that many of our small retailers are barely hanging on. They have been asked to close their in person shopping at the most critical time of year for their bottom line, at a time when they make upwards of 50 to 60 percent of their annual revenues. And it is simply unfair that big box stores can continue to sell non essential items to people in their stores, while small retailers cannot.
0: Yeah, it stinks. It really stinks. We have a, a huge problem. where small retailers going into the Christmas season. This is their time to make money, and they are limited to curbside pickup, and they're doing the best they can. They're doing an incredible job, and they definitely need our support, but it's just completely unfair that you can go into Costco and buy whatever the heck you want, you know, a new set of Legastino, uh pots and, and pans. The province of Manitoba were the first to announce earlier this month that retailers that were big box stores during lockdown would not be allowed to sell anything beyond non-essential goods um, for the lockdown period. And, you know, Mayor Tor- Mayor um, Tory is all for uh, this incentive as well, I believe. I know that he's very supportive of, of the small businesses getting a fair shot at the Christmas dollars. And Premier Ford was asked about manitoba here's what he had to say when it came to the fairness or unfairness of big box stores being able to sell whatever they want
2: it's not fair after speaking to some of the big box stores it'd be a logistical nightmare they have uh, essential items spread out throughout their whole their whole store then on top of that uh, how do they monitor it and and, uh, restrict people from going in there uh, that's the feedback I got off them. And all of a sudden someone goes and grabs a pair of jeans, throws it in their shopping cart, and they have 100 people behind them in shopping, and they have a list of items. It should be a logistical nightmare. And as for Manitoba, after speaking to the CEO of Walmart Canada, it's it's creating massive problems out there.
0: All right, how big are the problems? Here to talk about it, Richard Cluche, who is the co-host of the news at her sister station in Winnipeg, CJOB. Richard, thanks for joining us. I appreciate your time.
3: Kelly, good morning. And there are no problems here.
0: OK, so where is I mean, Ford said our premier said that he talked to the CEO of Walmart. And I thought, oh, of course, the CEO of Walmart is going to make it seem as though, you know, all hell is breaking loose because someone took a pair of jeans and is holding the lineup. Uh, but, you know, he has an agenda here. He, he doesn't want the rest of Canada to follow suit, I'm guessing. But is there a problem with restricting people?
3: No, there's not a problem at all. Uh, it, the government here gave the big box retailers that have those mixed stores, like the Walmarts of the world, 48 hours to move. And what essentially happened is that these aisles were covered with plastic and tape. You can't get anything from those aisles. You can't get that pair of jeans from that aisle because it's all covered in plastic and reinforced with tape and we've all been to walmart you know that there's you know some organization to the store and you don't have jeans right next to the bananas so um it's not a logistical nightmare yeah that Uh, is one
0: of my bones of contention if i want to get my jeans i want to be able to reach for my bananas at the same time
3: yeah and you don't want to go there though kelly um it's it's one of those situations where here there was Uh, A certain lobbying going on by our friend Dan Kelly from the Canadian Federation of Independent Business on behalf of those small retailers has said, listen, it's not a level playing field. Do something to help us out. If you can't allow us to open on a limited basis, uh, certainly do something about the big box retailers. And that's what the government did here. Now, they didn't necessarily do it for business reasons. They did it for health reasons because what happened was the first Saturday – that our red lockdown went into effect people were already Christmas shopping they were going to the big box retailers and the parking lots were full and again they were thinking the spread continues here of COVID and we got to get our numbers down so they did this for health reasons and 10 days into this we're still wondering if it's going to work or we're going to have to go into even further lockdowns and close the schools here But this was done primarily for health reasons because people were saying, well, why is IKEA still opening? How much essential items do they sell? IKEA is now closed. Yeah, how did Um,
0: IKEA get around it, by the way?
3: Well, they got around it to to begin with by um, having this massive list of providing essential goods and services. The, The list was so long that um, they were able to stay open like a lot of other big boxers. And mm-hmm. the government here looked at this again. And again, for uh, health care reasons, they decided, no, there's nothing essential other than the, maybe the, the, the meatballs that are sold at IKEA. So they're shut down now. Um, the grocery stores, there's parts of the aisles where there are the non-essential items that are uh, uh, taped off or plasticed off. And the Walmarts of, of the world, about half those stores uh, have plastic on the aisles as well. It took them a few hours, and there's not a whole lot of complaints. I think a lot of the public here, they're anxious to get back to shopping, but they're anxious really to get those numbers down.
0: Right. Uh, we're speaking with Richard Cluche, who is a co-host of the news at our sister station at Winnipeg and uh, CJOB in Winnipeg about the uh the move to close down that big box stores bonnie crombie wants to do the same so you really didn't see any um group of people demonstrating outside big box stores when this uh, restriction came in
3: no you don't and i think very much like what you've seen oh your way is that people will stand up for the the small retailers the small restaurants that want to open and you know we've seen some rumblings there but certainly not for the big boxers they realize that uh they're going to survive this pandemic. Uh, Their share prices may go down, but really, seriously, Uh, Walmart, um, the superstores, the Westfairs of the world, no, they're going to survive this very much. There is a real sense here and a real community uh, sense as far as trying to rally for small businesses that have been hit hard. They're, the ones that are getting really really hard Uh, you know this is the big Christmas season Mm -hmm. for them they've offered all sorts of opportunities and there are there's a lot of people here shopping local as much as possible Um, in two weeks as we get closer to Christmas I think there'll be the anxiety of wanting to do that Christmas shopping but I know a lot of people they're doing it all online they're getting Mm -hmm. through this but like you folks you want to see those numbers get down not go up. And we've been in this lockdown for nearly a month, and we're still seeing uh, test positivity rate in this province of 14%. That's way too high. Richard,
0: I want to thank you for you know putting some real perspective into this story, because when you hear our premier say, all hell's breaking loose, I wanted to figure out what hell looks like. I mean, uh, we might follow suit. So you know if it's something to be aware of, I thought we'd reach out. I really appreciate your time and, and stay safe.
3: You bet. Thank you so very much.
0: Have a great day. That's Richard He He's a co-host of the news at our sister station in Winnipeg, CJOB. So apparently everything is okay with restrictions to the big box stores. Our pop culture and PR expert, Alyssa Freeman, welcome to the show. Good to have you on.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, Kelly.
0: So I don't know how much you watch SNL, but I know that we are pretty similar with our tastes. And so a few weeks ago, I caught um, Chappelle on SNL, and he mentioned in his monologue that his show was streaming on Netflix. He also mentioned he wasn't getting paid. And I thought to myself, well, that seems weird. Okay, he's clearly not happy. Well, it's off Netflix now. And he told fans at a recent show why. So I'm going to run some audio from him and then we'll talk about it. Here's Dave Chappelle explaining why um, he, he just didn't make any money on that show.
2: People think I made a lot of money for Chappelle's show. When I left that show, I never got paid. They didn't have to pay me because I signed the contract. But is that right? I found out that these people were streaming my work, and they never had to ask me or they never had to tell me. Perfectly legal because I signed the contract. But is that right? I didn't think so either.
0: It just occurred to me that Dave Chappelle and my grandmother might have been separated at birth. That's what she sounded like. Um, (laughs) I I wish I was kidding. I'm not. Um, Dave Chappelle goes on to explain uh, about how he didn't think that was fair either. He talks about, uh, Loretta, I want to play clip number three. It's Dave uh, explaining why Prince referred to himself as the artist.
2: Do you know why Prince, the famous rock star that was a friend of mine, do you know why He called himself the artist when he came back. He calls himself the artist because that's what they call us in our contracts. I signed the contract. Yeah, and that was the
0: the B in Dave Chappelle's bonnet is the wording in the contract. So what did he do about it? He went to Netflix, and here's what he said.
2: And when I found out they were streaming Chappelle's show, I was furious. How could they not? How could they not know? So you know what I did? I called them and I told them that this makes me feel bad. And do you want to know what they did? They agreed that they would take it off their platform just so I could feel better.
0: You know what makes me feel bad? I saw it on Netflix the other day, made a note. I should go back and watch some of the Dave Chappelle shows I missed. And now, Alyssa, I can't see them because Netflix decided to honor his request. And they removed the Dave Chappelle show off of their list of available streamers. And I'm wondering, you know, as somebody that knows a lot about PR and brands, does this set precedent when it comes to streaming platforms trying to please artists that are valuable when it comes to future projects together?
1: Yes, 100% it does. You know, Dave Chappelle is a very, very powerful performer. And when he calls and says, I'm not happy, Netflix needs to listen. Because Netflix, like every other streaming service, is looking for great content. The more great content, the more great eyeballs, you know, the more money they make. And every artist knows that. So when Dave Chappelle first signed this contract for The Chappelle Show... You know, years and years ago, it was like, yeah, 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 I need the money. Yeah, let's just sign and let's just do it. And then, you know what, these young artists have to live with it. You know, I. it reminds me of Billy Joel back in his much younger days, I think when his brother-in-law was uh, creating his contract. And it turned out that there was a clause in there that said that the brother-in-law got a percentage in perpetuity. Wow. So, you know, Billy Was this Joel, Christy Brinkley's brother? I, um... No, it was his first wife's brother. Okay. So, you know, eventually I think he got, he extricated himself from that, but it took decades. <sighs> so, hundreds of young artists fall into this trap, and hundreds of young artists, when they grow older, can't do a darn thing about it because perhaps they're not as relevant in their careers anymore. Well, Dave Chappelle is not that. He is very relevant. So you have to imagine that when the next time Dave Chappelle has a series or a special or a movie or anything that he's producing or starring in, guess who he's going to call first? Not HBO Max, which is a competitive streaming service, Mm -hmm. not Amazon. He's going to call
0: Netflix. Yeah, that conversation was a lot more than, hey, Adam, it makes me feel bad. Could you take it down? I'm sure that conversation, if you were a fly on the wall, would have been very interesting. I wonder if Chappelle has a point here about the language in the contracts being vague, like the artist.
1: I remember when Prince called himself the artist, and it was because his record company at the time did not want to put his latest album on the regular uh, platforms, which at that point I think was an album. They were trying to put it on a new type of technology. Mm -hmm. So that would obviously affect his royalties and affect his sales. And he just thought, well, you can't do that to me just because you want to. It's my music. So he stopped referring, referring to himself as Prince and referring to himself as the artist, because I'm sure what they did was wave all sorts of contracts in his face. So I think that... What this really does, and, and not every artist or content creator is in a position to be able to negotiate hard, but you really do have to look at every line of a contract, and that goes for everything, especially mm-hmm. if you think there's going to be longevity to your career. You have to live by every line of that contract. So I think that what Chappelle's story is, is uh, is you know, work to the wise, really. It's not about, well, I'm, I'm so big, so people are going to do what they say. I think he honestly had a very helpful message.
0: Let's talk about Drake taking to um, social media yesterday to defend um, The Weeknd, who is a Torontonian. Uh, I mean, he was shut out of the Grammys and he's calling them corrupt he being uh, the weekend is calling them corrupt after his uh latest album after hours and blinding lights received a a total of zero nominations shocking everyone including Drake and Drake basically um said it's it's like he said I think we should stop allowing others ourselves to be shocked every year by the disconnect between impactful music and those awards and just accept that once uh, what was once the highest form of recognition may lo- no longer matter to the artists they, that exist now and the ones that come after. It's like a relative you keep expecting to fix up, but they just can't change their ways. How um, damaging is Drake's condemnation of the Grammys and how out of touch they are for their brand and for their actual existence?
1: I think the Grammys have every right to be worried about what Drake has to say, because what we're talking about is not the aging audience, um, uh, you know, him, you and I, who've been watching the Grammys for years and Excuse years. Excuse me. But, yeah, exactly. We used to
0: be friends. I'm, I'm, I'm excluding you. Just leave your judgment out of it.
1: <laughs> but really, the new audience that's watching the Grammys. So how do the Grammys? Uh, stay relevant to up and coming an up and coming audience. So what they've done is that they've extended all their categories and they've also renamed all their categories. So there used to be urban music. Well, now it's no longer called urban because they felt that that ghettoized a number, you know, the black artists in the music industry. So in terms of trying to diversify as many categories as possible, what they've done is that they've actually diluted themselves. So while trying to be more inclusive, they've actually started excluding artists that should really be recognized. So you look at someone like Justin Bieber, who I think was nominated for one of the categories of pop vocals. He took to Instagram and said, this is not a pop album. It's an R&B album. It should have been in the R&B category. But for the Grammys, you know, they look at it as, well, Justin Bieber's a pop artist, so we'll slot him there. You know, the, the lines between artists is so blurred now that perhaps the Grammys are becoming irrelevant because nobody fits into one little box anymore.
0: Right. Rapper Nicki Minaj actually um, said great. that she was really upset that she was replaced, uh, ignored in the Best New Artist category by, uh, in 2012 by a white man, Bon Iver. So she is still holding on to that.
1: And I would too, because when I read that, I thought who? So
0: you know, and I'm sure you should investigate. You'll love bon Iver. I'm not even kidding.
1: Really? So
0: yeah. It's I'm great Sunday morning, drinking a coffee, wrapping up at the cottage. Kind of. It's getting cold out. I gotta.
1: Well, then you've turned me on to a new artist, but let's yeah. remember the Grammys were also the people who kept handing it out, an award out to the Polka King for every you know for 20 years until I think he died. So, you know, they never got rid of that category until it became absolutely irrelevant because the guy, you know, was no longer making music. So the Grammys have some very long held traditions and they don't always get it right. But that's an award show, right? They don't always get it right. And we're always complaining about who won and who didn't win.
0: But the American Music Awards, apparently no one tuned into it this weekend. And I, to be honest with you, I'm so happy I don't use, I don't work in music radio anymore because I don't have to sit through those lame uh, music, you know, award shows anymore. I really, I just was humoring myself and my boss while I sat there and tried to sit, you know, to to deal with it. I mean, I, I kind of think those award shows, their time is coming. Like, just give me the highlights online. I'm good.
1: I think you're right. and I, I started I did tune into like about the first 15 minutes. you know, they had the duet with Sean Mendez and, and Justin Bieber, which was really good, by the way. But then they kind of lost me. And I think that award shows, you really used to be able to give records a boost. Um, or uh, an artist a boost. however, that's happening now more organically and it's yeah. happening on more immediate platforms versus one that happens every year. So you are absolutely right that it is losing its relevance and the audience that they're looking for to be able to give those artists a boost are not looking at those programs.
0: Alyssa, it's always a pleasure talking to you. thanks so much and just leave my age out of it next time you want to take a shot, okay?
1: <laughs> I'm sure I'm older than you, much older, much, much older.
0: But every time you hear Dave Chappelle, think of my grandmother. I will. All right. Have a great day. That's Alyssa Freeman, our uh, pop culture expert here on 640 Toronto and also our PR expert. Well, that's it for the podcast of The Kelly Cotrera Show. Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, don't forget, you can make your life easier and hit subscribe wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Otherwise, we broadcast live from 9 to noon, Monday through Friday on 640 Toronto. If you have some time, join us. Have a great day.